The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews murmured about Jesus because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? Do we not know his father and mother? Then how can he say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, Stop murmuring among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him, and I will raise him on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to my Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the desert, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The first reading today, I think, uh, gives us a great, uh, just kind of as a, an aside, uh, but a great example uh, of the spiritual life and how important a nap and a snack can be, right? Uh, Elijah's ready to, he stops underneath the broom trees, just ready to die, right? And he t- gets a nap in, he gets a snack, and all of a sudden he's a lot different. Right? He's able to continue on his journey. And so just kind of that natural, uh, to a certain degree, kind of that natural. But I think that it also gives a, a spiritual understanding as well. And so what I'd like to say today is um, continuing our uh, series on the bread of life. Uh, we've talked about how the bread of life, God wants to give us rest, um, but we need to cooperate with him. So we talked about how we need to cooperate with his grace in the bread of life. Also, how we need to seek him especially in the bread of life. I'd like to talk today about the way in which bread of life is sustenance for us. Um, In what way? Well, we see similar to the situation of Elijah is that we are in a similar, that we are a similar situation as Elijah in our life. Now, I hope not all of us are, we're not sitting underneath the broom tree wishing for death, but there is a lot of difficulty in life. There's a lot of times when we might be drawn to despair or just kind of say, is it worth it to continue on? And in those moments, what do we do? Well, we need the sustenance that comes from God. We see that Elijah is not eating ordinary bread and drink, but is instead heavenly, something that's given to him from an angel. Now, how do we understand this sustenance? Well, sustenance at uh, kind of the... The definition of sustenance is food and drink or uh, kind of maintaining of someone or something in life or existence. And I think this is a good example of the sustenance of the bread of life. It's uh, similar um, in some ways, but however, we don't always experience it as sustenance or we don't always experience it in that great well. Why? Well, I'd like to liken it in some ways as... uh, as camping, when we're out camping, I don't know whether you've ever experienced this, 
But you're out camping. My family did a lot of camping. And you'd be working all day. You'd be setting up. You'd be outdoors. You'd be doing activities. You'd eat little snacks. But then when it finally came to dinner and you finally cooked yourself a meal, it always tasted so good. And I remember being out camping and we cooked hamburger helper and thinking, this is amazing. This is so good. This is like one of the best meals I've ever had. We should eat this all the time. And then you go home on a normal day and you have hamburger helper and you're like, oh, this isn't very good. (laughs) Well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is sometimes our need in the need for our sustenance. And when we're sustained all the time and when we're not really needing a big boost, sometimes we don't recognize the gift that it is. But when we're in great need, when we're in dire need, when we're actually taking that for sustenance, it has a dramatic effect in how we understand and how we're able to receive. However, as we're talking about the bread of life being our sustenance, hopefully we've experienced it like that camping trip where we really need it and we're yearning for it. And I hope one of our experiences perhaps was over the time of COVID when we were kind of away from that sustenance of the bread of life. And hopefully there was a certain amount of longing, and certainly God's grace comes in other ways. However, there should be this this longing, this need for the sustenance of the bread of life. And that when hopefully we were able to come back, uh, I know um, many people were greatly moved, right? Because it's this sustenance. It's the very thing that gives us our existence. Uh, It gives, as Jesus talks about, it gives eternal life, right? He who eats the bread of life shall have eternal life and not die, right? And so it's the sustenance that gives us this, this gift to sustain us in this life. But, again... I want to say uh, the sustenance. However, I think it would be a disservice at times to just talk about the sustenance and say, oh, yeah, we're all supposed to experience the sustenance. It's really great. And if you don't experience it, well, there's something wrong with you. Well, maybe there is something wrong with us all, right? Uh, but, But why, right? Why maybe don't we experience it as the sustenance that we should, right? Why don't we necessarily... Um, aren't we enlivened by it and able to continue on? Maybe why do 70% of Catholics not believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ? Why are more and more Catholics just stop going to Mass? Well, I think it's because they're not, it's not because there's something wrong with the Eucharist and there's something wrong with God. What, but, but there's something wrong in that equation, right? Well, do you just blame uh, the person? Well, why? Why aren't these people being sustained by the bread of life. If the bread of life is the thing that gives life, eternal life, and sustains us, why doesn't it sustain everyone? And what, uh, what I say to that is, is it's a similarity. Uh, St. Paul actually talks about it. St. Paul talks about it. Uh, this problem that was happening in the early church, right? St. Paul is right away at the start, right? Even before the Gospels are actually written, he writes, now the Gospels are written about Jesus' life, but they're actually written after St. Paul has already written his letters. So he's writing about the very early church and talking about him celebrating the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving, the Mass. And he, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, so he's writing to the Corinthian community, and he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner 
will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have even died. Now what we see here is that St. Paul is talking about the reality of the Eucharist. The reality is that the Eucharist is something more than a symbol. However, when we misuse it, or we don't take proper, um, as he talks about it, discernment, right? To be able to say, do we believe what the Eucharist is? Are we receiving the Eucharist? Do we believe to have eternal life? Are we in a state to be able to receive the Eucharist? And when we don't do so, when we don't discern, when we receive in a non-believing manner, or sometimes receive in a way in which we shouldn't, well, then we actually cause problems to our spiritual life. Because it's not God's problem, it's, it's our problem, right? It's our problem because even though that the Eucharist is the Eucharist, we are not receiving it in a worthy manner. And so we actually, what I would liken it to is celiac disease, right? Wheat is kind of this, this great symbol throughout all of tradition of, of this substance as well that gives gives life. And in the modern day, we have this interesting relationship with wheat because it's not very popular, right? Everyone's gluten intolerant. It's bad for us and everything else. Well, let's put that aside to a certain degree uh, about the the bread of life, you know, and the wheat. Um, But I would liken it in some ways, the Eucharist and kind of a wheat example, is that some people who receive wheat are nourished, right? They are strengthened in the midst of it. However, some people, their body has a certain disease that maybe makes them intolerant, right? Where they actually experience kind of uncomfort from receiving wheat. Or, to the extreme, celiac. That can cause serious damage to a person by receiving wheat. Now, this wheat would normally be a life-giving thing to a normal person. But there's something wrong. There's a disease uh, that causes it to react poorly with the body. And I think it's very similar in the spiritual life. Now, gratefully, there's, well, ungratefully, there's nothing, uh, there's no medical cure for celiac disease. Praise God, we've got a cure for the spiritual ailments that prevent us from receiving the Eucharist in a, a sustaining way. And what are those things? Well, the primary means is reconciliation, is confession, right? That we need to examine our life and come before the Lord in a way in which maybe we say we're not perfect. Yeah, absolutely we're not perfect. But guess what? We're repenting of our sins. But however, there are certain times when maybe we're not able to go to confession or there's certain reasons not to receive the Eucharist. Well, what are those? Well, certainly the church wants us all to receive the Eucharist. However, coming to Sunday Mass is not a requirement to receive the Eucharist. So you're not required to come to receive the Eucharist for your Sunday obligation. You are actually required to come to Mass, but not to receive the Eucharist. Well, why? Because the church realizes that we need to worship God. We have an obligation for Sunday worship, but we don't have an obligation to receive the Eucharist. Now, thankfully, the church has encouraged the reception of the Eucharist much more than in the past. Before, perhaps people didn't receive for years. They were too afraid of, right, to eat and drink in an unworthy manner. And I think we sometimes swung the pendulum to the other extreme of saying everyone is worthy. Everyone should receive. Well, no, there are certain reasons 
why we shouldn't receive the Eucharist. And I'd like to go through a few of them. Well, first one is if you're not in communion with the church, okay? So we talk about the Eucharist as communion. Well, I think that's a good term because if we're not in communion with the church, with Jesus, then we should refrain from the sign of communion. It's just as uh, we talk about it very similar to a marriage bed. If you're having a serious argument with your spouse, you're probably going to refrain. You know, they're kind of talking about sleeping on the couch or other things, right? There's going to be a time of maybe separation, not because you want to continue to be separated, but because there maybe needs to be something that's worked out before you're able to come back in complete union. And so the church would say similarly, if you're not in communion, if you're, you don't believe as the church believes, right? Or if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, well, you shouldn't receive the Eucharist. You should abstain from it out of respect for God, out of respect for yourself and your conscience, and not receive. So that's the first reason. If you're not in communion, if you're, uh, and we ask you know, people who aren't Catholic, right, who haven't made the full uh, kind of profession of faith to also refrain. Another reason would be if we're not in the state of grace. So we actually talk about a thing called being in the state of grace to be able to receive the Eucharist. And that means that our soul is ready to receive the Eucharist. And there are certain things that take us out of the state of grace. And the, most, the primary one being a mortal sin, right? A serious sin that we know is a serious sin and we commit anyways. Now, it's really difficult at times to exactly say what is a mortal sin and what's not because the church kind of gives us an ambiguous list of grave sins and kind of says to a certain degree, and like, how much? How much money do you need to steal in order for it to be a grave sin? And how much? You know, so, so there is a lot of gray area there, okay? A- absolutely. However, if it is a serious sin and you know that it's a serious sin and you do it anyways, there's an aspect of being broken in communion with God, right? And so we'd say that there, it's proper to refrain from engaging in communion, right? That intimate act with God to, to be able to uh, fix, hopefully, that problem. And one of the ways in which we can do that is go to confession. However, there are, unfortunately, certain situations that actually it's not just mortal sin. A mortal sin, right? One of the beautiful things about God is that he always wants us to be reconciled with him. So even if we did commit a mortal sin, right? There's always confession. And there's actually a great video about kind of confession uh, that I posted on Facebook about kind of the back view of what a priest kind of experiences in the confessional. So if you're kind of nervous about the confessional or different things, um, watch that video. It's a, it's a great video. And of course, again, I hear confessions a half an hour before every Mass. And if I have to hear confessions more, that would be awesome. I would I'd be more than happy to be able to do that. Okay, so again, confession. However, there are certain times when confession isn't able to fix our relationship. There needs to be something else. And we talk about that as someone being in the state of sin. Now, a state of sin is something different than someone who's sinned or someone who's struggling with sin. Someone who's struggling with sin, maybe has a habit of sin, knows that they're going to sin again, but keeps on trying not to and is repenting and trying to change their life, but struggling with it. We talk about a state of sin. We talk about someone who is, has made their life in such a way as in opposition and in a sinful way. One of the primary means that the church talks about this as uh, that we often experience is divorce and remarriage. If someone is divorced and their marriage isn't annulled and they get remarried, 
following the words of Jesus Christ is that we say that that person is still married to the first person, right? That divorce and remarriage is what we call a state of sin. And so it's similar, uh, kind of the example that I sometimes use in the confessional, is if someone steals a car, right, Grand Theft Auto, and comes to the confessional and says, hey, I'm really sorry about stealing this car, um, and you're like, okay, well, uh, maybe you need to give it back or you need to get rid of it and not continue to profit from it. And the person's like, well, I really want to keep the car. You know, I'm sorry that I did it, but now I'd really like to keep it. Well, then you're not really sorry, right? You're not really repenting from your sin. And so that is what we would actually say an inability to be able to receive. And, and within the state of sin of divorce and remarriage or being married outside of the church, right? Uh, a marriage that takes place Again, this communion aspect of we want uh, in when you receive communion, you're saying that you're in communion with the church and with God. And so if you've taken yourself and put yourself in a state that is in opposition to that, not just of a struggle, but of an institutional means even of divorce and remarriage or marriage outside of the church, we've kind of placed ourselves outside. Now, again, what do we do in that? Well, the church is here to help reconcile that, right? We're here to walk with you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you in the midst of it all. If you know somebody who's, who's married outside the church or you are, well, come and talk to me, right? We can do something about that. If you're divorced and remarried, right? We can talk about that. Let's get this reconciled in a real and true way so that we can continue, so that we can approach the altar in a worthy way that is submitting and being able to be able to receive the sustenance that God desires to give us. However, if we come and approach the altar in pride or in a way of kind of uh, entitlement, we are not going to experience it. We are not going to be able to receive the gift of sustenance that God desires. I want all of you to receive the sustenance that is here of the bread and life, of the bread of life. I want you to experience it as that hamburger helper. And so now it's much better than a hamburger helper, but you know, right? You're out camping and you need that sustenance. You're tired and you need that sustenance and to be able to receive that sustenance and to be able to help you to continue to grow and continue on. I want you to receive that sustenance. But so many Catholics and so many of us receive in a way in which it isn't sustenance. Why? Well, because we need to examine ourselves. We need to approach the Lord with a heart of openness, of seeing it as a sustenance and in communion with him. And so, um, as we close, I'd like to offer a quote by Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, who is a great saint. Let me just pull it up here. And he says, With all the strength of my soul, I urge you young people to approach the communion table as often as you can. Feed on this bread of the angels whence you draw all the energy you need to fight interior struggles. Because true happiness, dear friends, does not consist in the pleasures of the world or in earthly things, but in peace of conscience, which we only have if we are pure in heart and mind.
It is the sustenance. The bread of life is the sustenance that gives us the ability to be able to live in this world, right? We need this sustenance to continue in this world and have eternal life in the next. Uh, I want your spiritual life, I want you to experience it as that. And I'll offer, sorry, just one last uh, kind of experience, personal experience of myself. I, I've experienced, I, I shared a little bit about the Eucharist and the way in which I experienced kind of the Eucharist in a powerful way um, to be able to examine kind of the Eucharist more. And that kind of opened me up to learning more, reading John chapter 6, which I highly encourage all of you. However, I recognize now, kind of looking back, is that was a particular grace that God gave me. Not a particular grace of the Eucharist, but actually just a particular grace of God. Well, why? Because when I look back on my life during that time, I wasn't prepared to receive the Eucharist. God gave me a particular grace, and he always can give us particular graces in the midst of it all. However, I can confidently say that my spiritual life, my ability to be able to receive from God and openness for the sustaining power of the Eucharist. I was committed to the Eucharist before, but it didn't really start sustaining me in a truly transformative way until I finally came to the point of going to confession. Up until that point, up until uh, my sophomore year in college, I didn't want to go to confession. And I, I always say I probably went like twice in between first confession and sophomore year. But finally I came to a point where I was like, okay, I need to go to confession. I need to go to confession on a regular basis. I need to be able to do this. And when I started going to confession is when I started my spiritual life and the sustenance that the Eucharist gave me totally changed, transformed over those few months uh, to be able to take myself and to be able to consider even the priesthood. So I just want to say that there is great sustenance here, but a lot of the times we don't take advantage of it. I mean, we open up ourselves to that and receive the great sustenance that the bread of life is here for us.